Praise the Lord. We come to acknowledge you as our Lord and Master. We come just to petition your court to sit before you, to just drink from the wellspring of life, to acknowledge you as King of kings and Lord of lords. You are awesome. You are wonderful. As we come today, Father, to receive your word today, Father, we just ask, invite the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place anoint your vessel for what you've called me to do today. God, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. And you minister what you want ministered, the way you want it done. God, we wait on you. We seek you. We inquire of you. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you for what you want us to receive today. I pray that it will fall on good ground. It will produce a harvest of righteousness. And we will be able to hold on to everything that you deposit in our hearts today, Father, and live it out in our lives. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So today's lesson, the title is going to be Through Our Union with Christ, Sin's Power is Broken. And we're going to be coming out of two basic books in the Bible. We're going to start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and starting and we're going to read verses 14 through 17. So I will read those first and then go back through them. So through our union with Christ, sin's power is broken. I don't know about you, but do you ever think about the fact that because we are in Christ, that the power of sin is broken off of our lives? I don't think we really think about that much, but it's something that we need to absorb. We need to take in so that we can live more victorious in life. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is the Apostle Paul who was wrote, he wrote a second letter to the church of Corinth. And in these particular verses that we're going to read, his focus was really on the substitutionary death of Jesus, substitutionary death on the cross. And as a result of that, he was saying that we as believers are to live our lives in a devotion and dedication to God. So let's just look at what these verses have to say. Thank you. Starting at verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet not henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, Behold, all things are become new. Now back in verse 14, when Paul says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, that word constrain means to compel us or urge us because of Christ's love. A love that would lay down his life for us is said over in Romans, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. And when you think about that, that he paid the price for our sin debt before we were ever born because he wanted us to live. And so when you know that he has stepped in and saved us from a death that a debt we couldn't even pay, that that's the kind of Paul is saying because of that love, he's compelled and he is convinced, he says, because thus we thus judge, he is convinced that if one died for if one died for all, then we're all dead. He's convinced that Jesus died for all who will believe in his substitutionary death on the cross. And if we truly believe that, then we are also dead. And we will explore what that means and how we're dead in Christ. It says in verse 15. And that he died for all, that they, which should, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So let me see. Paul's life in verse 14, what I was thinking about as I'm reading this, is that Paul's life was so dramatically transformed that he was indebted. It's like because his life was so transformed, he made up his mind that he was going to dedicate his life to live for the one who saved his life. You know, Paul was a murderer. He did all kind of stuff. He did, we all deserve death, but this, but God stepped in and saved him. And as a result of that, he says, we don't live for ourselves. When you think about, and this is really the doctrine of, of, of salvation that God's wrath, God, sin has to be judged. So God's wrath, he had to, someone had to die. And instead of us dying, he became a man and died in our place. So think about someone dying in your place. Think about you're just about to cross the street and a car comes rolling by at a high speed and all of a sudden someone reaches you who God used to pull you out of harm's way. You realize you could have lost your life, but because someone pulled you out of harm's way, now when you look at that person, there's such a depth of gratitude, such a depth of appreciation that that person would reach out and do that for you that now you feel indebted to them. Well, how much more so should we be indebted to Christ for what he has done for us? What he did far outweigh, it is far exceeds what any human being could do to save us. We all deserve death. We know that. We don't deserve anything but God. He saw fit to do it. So Paul is saying when you think about how much he loves us, uh, that kind of love that it doesn't matter how ugly we look, he still loves us. It doesn't matter how we are. He, that kind of love that would forgive us of all of our sins when we come to him, it's like, how could I not love him? How could I not serve him? How could I not do whatever he requires of me? And that's what Paul was saying. So we are to live not for ourselves. Now, that's something that some of us, myself, have to come into because we're born in sin. We're born with that sinful, selfish, rebellious nature. It's all about me. And, and I was thinking about that, how selfish we are, how selfish I've been. And that selfishness comes out of not having your needs met. 
So now you want to hold on to everything. You want to keep everything because I'm going to meet my own. I'm going to make sure I'm going to stay happy. That self-centeredness is like, no. Someone paid the price for you to live, to have a better life than what you could ever have. So let go of yourself. That's why he said, if one die, we are all dead. That, that person, and we're going to get to, is dead. So I no longer, knowing what Christ did for me, I no longer live for me, but I live for the one who paid the price for me. He died and rose again. That's the mindset we have to have if we are going to be in Christ because we have given him our lives. We've given him our hearts. That means I lay it down. I don't, I'm not here for me. You've paid too great a price for me to be here for me. He great paid that price to save us so that he could use us. But he can't use us if we're still into ourselves. He wants us to realize, Paul is saying, he died for all. He died for us. Therefore, we are not our own. We've been purchased. We've been bought. Therefore, I don't live for myself. We don't live for ourselves. There's a bigger picture here. He says, oh, let me see if I need to add anything to it moment we believed in Jesus Christ. Okay, the moment we believed in Christ, Jesus took our place on the cross and God raised him from the dead. When that happens, we identify with him. So when it says that he died for all so that all who live should not live unto themselves, but in him who died for us and rose again, that means now our life is to be lived for him. In verse 16, see if I had anything. Oh yeah, cards. Okay. I had in here. <laughs> What has God saved you from? So that you don't live for yourself. We don't live for ourselves. It could have been a car accident, a gunshot, losing your mind due to mental anguish, depression, anxiety, rape, molestation, alcohol addiction, drug abuse, being neglected, beaten, mistreated, bullying, divorce, stress, anger, and it goes on and on. There's so much that God has done for us, and sometimes we need to take time to think about it so that we can put our minds in the right perspective. I'm not here for me. He has done too much, delivered me from so many things, and it's a daily deliverance as I come into the knowledge of Oh, my goodness, he saved me from that. Thank you, Jesus. It's a daily, I, I, that I am dead. He says, if he died, one died for all, that means all that believe in him are dead. And we're going to talk about how that comes about. In verse 16, he says, Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. When you know your life has been changed, God has given us a new perspective. He's given us a new outlook, a new vision. So therefore, I'm not to look at you. We're not to look at one another out of our natural eyes, out of our carnal eyes. Why? Because if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. Paul made it his priority, his goal, his mission in life to see to the spiritual needs of people. And that's what we have to do. It's not about us. It's about what can I do to help someone else? So I'm not going to look at what I may see may be very ugly in you, but that's not how I'm to look at you. I'm to look at you through eyes 
of love, the same love that saved me, pulled me up, the same love that saved us up is how we have to look at others. He says, even though we have known Christ after the flesh, now to know Christ after the flesh would be like prior to inviting him into our hearts. You may have heard about Jesus and it's like, yeah, that, you know, that's Jesus, you know. He was a prophet. He was, you know, he was a man. We don't really understand who he is. But once we, once our lives have been changed, once we've been raised up with him, now we see him in the light of who he is. We see him as Lord, as Savior, as the Son of God, as the one who died for our sins. It's like our vision has changed and how we see him and relate to him. See, now it's more of a relationship. It's not just a head knowledge. It's about, oh my goodness, you are my master and I see you as that. And that's what verse 16 is saying, that now we don't know him nor do we know others in that natural way. God is saying he wants us to come up higher in how we see each other, how we see one another, and even in our relationship to Christ. Come up higher, recognize what he's done, and then live with that in mind. And based on the fact that, based on the fact that he died for us, he rose again. We don't live for ourselves. We don't see him in that light. We see him in a new light. Based on all of that, verse 17 sums it all up. Therefore, therefore, if any man be in Christ. Now, let's talk about the word be. The word be means to live, to exist, to be alive, to have existence. So if any man lives in Christ, if any man exists in Christ, if any man is alive in Christ, if any man have existence in Christ, he is a new creature. That word creature is creation, means been created anew, a new creation. Christ is our Messiah, our Savior, the anointed one. It says, when we, are, when we have our existence, our being in him, we are new creatures. Now, that word new means we are of a new kind. We are different from a recent kind. We are, or a previous one. It means to begin anew and regard it as better than what was before. That's new. You are regarded as better than what was before. You are different from your previous life. If you are in Christ, you are secure in him. We are accepted in him. We, are, we have an assurance of eternal life in him. We participate in the divine nature in him. If we be, exist, live in him, and we're going to really explore that in a few minutes, then we are new, a new, not a, a remake of the old. We are brand new. You have an old vase, then you go buy a new vase, totally different. Can't even compare the two. That's what he's saying. Don't compare the old. It says old things are passed away, and that's how we have to look at this new man that we are, Old, that means 
former, previous, belonging to the past, has passed away. Now, if you say somebody passed away, what are you saying? Gone, died, they're dead. Well, that's how the old man is in us. The old man is gone, passed away, dead. He's in Paris, is out of existence. That's what we got to realize. Because, see, we still fight daily. There's a daily battle with sin. Don't deny that. But the good news is, as if you are in Christ, if you exist in him, live in him, are alive in him, that old man is dead. Yes, sin still pulls on us. The old man is still working because this has to, my mind has to be renewed. But the good news is when we, we explore what it means to be a new man in Christ, we're going to see that we have power to overcome that. That old man is dead. He has passed away. It is gone. Therefore, all things, now we don't see from that old man because the old man is what? Is dead. Seriously. So when those old thoughts, it says old things have passed away, what old things are we holding on to? What old hurts, old wounds, how they treated me, I'll never forgive them. Really? Then you're living in the past, and that past is supposed to be gone. It says old is previous or belonging to the past. If it happened in the past, leave it in the past. You can't go forward if you're stuck in the past. Isaiah, let me just read to you what Isaiah 43, 18 says. It says, 43:18. remember ye not the former things. If you are a new creation in Christ, if you are exist and live in Christ, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old, because in 2 Corinthians it says, those old things are passed away. They are gone. Why are we holding on to them? Why are we trying to remember them every day? Those things keep us in bondage and captivity, and we can't live as a new creation in Christ if we're still holding on to the old. Those things, we got to come into the realization it is passed away. It is in the past. It is gone because why? Because we've dead. If he died for all, all who believe in him are dead and been raised up with him to a new life. So therefore, we see things from a new perspective. We have a new outlook. Remember, he didn't take the old and remake it. He brought a whole new being in. You got the old here. You got the new here. There's a conflict. There's going to be a battle. There's going to be a fight. But guess what? The new man wins because, and let's go over and let's, let's, let's explore how this happens because it gets better. Let's go over to Romans. We're going to talk about how we are new creatures in Christ and what it means that the old is passed away and behold, all things have become new. Go to Romans chapter 6. The good news, when you're in Christ, you can overcome. That's the good news. The good news is that when you're in Christ, sin's power is broken because if you're dead, guess what? You ever seen a dead person get angry? 
Seriously, have you ever seen a dead person jump up and want to fight you because of something you said? Well, where's, the, where's that old man at? Is he still living? Is he still existing? We still reacting to stuff that comes at us? We still want to jump and let somebody cut in front of you on the expressway? Are we still? Come on now. We can overcome that because that person, and we have to say, you're dead. When them, when them feelings rise up and we want to get outside of who we are as new creatures, you're dead. Got to speak to it. You're dead. Amen. Amen. I'm serious. It is dead. Put it back where it belongs. In the past, you are dead. I'm a new creation in Christ. You have to talk to yourself and tell yourself who you are. I'm a new creation because you know what? We're processing. We're processing into who he has created us to be. This is who we are. But now, um, in the devotional yesterday, it says God sees what he wants to do in you, and he may show it to you, and then he backs up, and now the process begins. We are new creatures in Christ. Now comes the work of sanctification. Now we got to work out our salvation. So let's go to Romans chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 1, read verses 1 through 7. Paul says, and they were talking about grace when, when sin abound, grace is even greater. So he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Now, this is where we get into the lesson. How shall we that are what? Dead. Dead, Dead means is gone, yeah. is in the past, is passed away. It no longer exists. How shall we? So we no longer, how, we that are dead to what? Sin. Oh, God, how are we dead to sin? We'll get there in a second. How that we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? We've got to remember that's not who we are. We have been made brand new in Christ. Remember, in Christ, we're secure in him. We're accepted in here. It doesn't matter if somebody rejects us. They're not rejecting us. They're rejecting the light of Jesus in us. And when we recognize that, we recognize that Jesus already, he's been rejected for us. So now we can overcome that. It's dead. We speak to it, the flesh and say, you are dead to sin. Sin no longer has any power over me. Let's explore that. Number three, verse three. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ, love it, were baptized into his death. Now, let's take a look at what that means. We are in Christ. That means being in Christ means we have been baptized into him. So to be baptized means to be immersed or to be totally enveloped. Now think about something that's totally enveloped. I thought about, I thought about having a child and say it's raining outside and it's raining and it's really pouring down really hard. And so you have on your raincoat and your child is standing and all the rain is coming and you take your coat and totally envelop them in that coat and when you do that they are protected but when you do that who do you see you don't see the child anymore why not because the child has been enveloped immersed into you so now what you see is the person that's covering them we have been baptized totally immersed 
into Christ. So when you see me, you don't see me. You see the one I'm immersed in. It's the same thing as water baptism. When you've been baptized in water, you go down, you don't see anybody. What you see is the water that surrounds them, that has enveloped them, that they're immersed in. Until they come up, that's what it is. We are in Christ. So if we are baptized into him, that means we identify with everything Christ did. We identify with his death. We are baptized into, it says, his death. So being immersed and enveloped in him, everything he did on the cross, we can identify with because we are in him. So when it says we are dead, when Christ died on the cross, when we invited him into our hearts, we died. The old man is dead. It's been immersed into Christ. Now I'm a new, just like, okay, just like water baptism. You go down and you are buried. What does it mean to be buried? Did I write that down? I don't know. But anyway, you are, yes it is, enveloped in, okay, to lay to rest. The old man has been laid to rest. It says to consign to the grave. <laughs> you, you really dead then. When you've been in the grave, <laughs> you dead. <laughs> so that's how the old man is. The old man has been totally baptized into Christ, identifying with everything Christ did on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection. So when we die in him, we live. Because he rose again, we are raised up with him into a new life. That's how the old man is dead and the new man is come. That's how we are a new creation in Christ because that we identify with Christ's death on the cross. So now that old nature, that old that, that the power of sin that was leading, guiding, controlling, influencing, and directing our lives has been put to death on the cross. That old, all of that has no power over us. That's why if we are in Christ, the power of sin is broken because we've been raised up. We're, if we're in him, we've been buried. That old man has been consigned to the grave, laid to rest. So now what comes forth is newness of life, new mindset. That means now we understand the power of the Holy Spirit that enveloped us. You know, I, I thought about when it talked about being enveloped and being baptized into Christ, when Mary, um, when the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said that she was going to conceive a child, and she said, how will this be? And he said, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, will come upon you. When we're enveloped in Christ, when we accept say, Jesus coming to our hearts, the Holy Spirit comes in and he envelops us and he baptizes us into Christ so that now when we come up, when we, we are transformed, we are changed into new creatures. We rise up. We come up higher. It says in verse 4, therefore, because we have been baptized into his death, meaning we now identify with his death, meaning if he died, all died. That means that old man is dead. Therefore, we are buried, hallelujah, with him by baptism into death, buried that old man, that old nature, those old influences, that old mindset, all of it, all of it was buried, hallelujah, with Christ 
when he was buried. Oh, Jesus, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, and that means by the power of God. He was raised up from the dead by the power of God. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. If we can just wrap our hearts around that truth that we are new creatures in Christ, that when we are by being baptized with him, we are raised with him and being raised with him means now by the power of God, the scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And having that power is how we overcome the old nature, is how we overcome that old man, is how we overcome those old thoughts, those old mindsets, is how we come up higher, begin to see things with a new light, because we now participate in the divine nature. We participate in Christ's nature. Now we have been raised up. It says if we have been planted together, that means planted in my Bible here, verse 5, united. We are united with him in his likeness, in his death, identifying with his death on the cross. That means I have power to overcome anything that comes my way that is not right. I have the same power. It says planted United together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. That's the newness of life, that we become the new creatures in Christ. The old has gone. So we have to remember, when the old rises up, put it to death. Put it back in the grave. Put it where it belongs. Yeah, we wrestle with sin every day because there's a process because, see, the heart's been changed, but the mind is still enslaved. So how, well, we'll get there. I'm going to go there, too. Let's finish this up. So we have been raised, let's see, through the glory of the Father means by the power of God. God's glory is his divine excellence and his perfection. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. We are to live a resurrected life, which is free from sin's control. And we get that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, knowing this, knowing this, get it in our hearts, get in our spirits, that the old man is crucified. To be crucified means to put to death by nailing or binding someone to a cross. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And we identify with that death. It says that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Okay, the body of sin, our sinful inclinations, our sinful tendencies, our sinful propensities that are intertwined with our physical weakness and pleasures has been destroyed. Think about it. The mind still thinks it's in control. It's going to tell you what to do, how to do it, what to say. Right, it thinks. But when we know, it says, knowing this, when we know that that old man has been put to death and we identify with what Jesus did on the cross, it has been put to death so that it, and it has been so that our inclinations to sin 
our lust for sin might be destroyed. That means it is abolished, done away with, no effect, out of existence, so that we are no longer enslaved to sin. Sin is not our master. Sin has been put to death on the cross. Yes, we still sin. Yes, we still struggle. But the good news is we have been, it says here, raised, united in the likeness of his death, also in the likeness of his resurrection. So we identify with that resurrection. We have been raised up with Christ. Now we have power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to overcome whatever tries to come our way. Let me see what I have here. It says, mm, it says, to live in the likeness of his resurrection means our bondage to sin and our love of sin died with Christ on the cross. Now, united by faith with him in his resurrected life, we have unbroken fellowship with God and freedom from sin's hold on us. That's good news. That's so now, okay, one more verse and we go over to how we, how we do this. For verse 7, for he that is dead is freed from sin. The question is, are we dead? Only, only each person can answer that. Am I dead? Am I living a resurrected life? Am I still allowing sin to control me because I'm comfortable with it, because I'm familiar with it, because this is just how I am? Am I dead? Do I don't have to see the good news is by hearing the word, it builds up our faith to let us know we don't have to live like that. We don't have to be depressed. We don't have to be stressed out. We don't have to be whatever, sick, uh, sickness may come, but the good news is we have power to arrest it so it doesn't completely overtake us. See, the good news is Jesus died for all of that. I was looking at um, Isaiah 53 where it says, he was wounded for our transgressions. Talking about Jesus, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment that brought about our peace. He had to be punished in order for us to have peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Now, that's the new creature. We walk in divine healing. Yes, sickness may come, but Jesus did handle that on the cross. If he said he, he was wounded, he was bruised, he was punished, he and now all of that caused me to be healed as a new creation in Christ. I claim my healing. When I get sick, I don't have to stay sick. I speak to my speak to the sickness and says, by his stripes, I am healed. That's the resurrected power we have. But we got to believe it. But in order to believe it, you got to speak it. And you can't speak it if you don't know it. So we first of all got to know what does he say in his word. So anything that comes at us, we can, there's a word for it, and if we get into the word, let's go there. Let's get into the word to learn how we 
overcome? How do we use this resurrected power so that we walk in the freedom that Christ gave us so that we can be dead so that we can be free? You have to be dead to be free. It says in verse 7, he that is dead is freed, past tense, from sin. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Because as I said earlier, we have to work out our salvation. Yes, we have new creations in Christ. But there's a work to be done to perfect us, to bring us into the benefits and promises that Christ died to give us. We got it. We just got to use it. We got to work it. We got to work the word. How do we do it? Ephesians chapter 4 says concerning verse 22, I'm sorry, that ye put off concerning, remember, remember the former things no more back in Isaiah? Well, in Ephesians, Paul is saying put off concerning even your former conversation, your former conduct. There are many places in the Bible that tells us to put it away. Why? It is dead. It's dead. It has no place in the life of a born-again believer. It has, and we have to remember that when these things come, it's dead. So now we got to work out our salvation. Put off. We have something to do. The former conversation, the former conduct, the old man. Why? Because it is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And this is how we walk in the power that's been given us to free us from enslavement to sin. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. As I said, when we get saved, our heart has been changed, but the mind is still enslaved. So the only way we got to come up out of this old man to walk in the newness of life that Christ died to give us, to walk in resurrected life, is to renew our minds, to renew, to be renewed in the spirit of our minds. That means to get into the word of God. Because we can't, in verse 24, say that we put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. But we got to renew our minds. So to renew our minds means we got to spend time with the one who saved us. Remember it says, if any man be in Christ, well, how are you going to be in somebody you don't know? How are you going to be in Christ if you don't really know him? We think that sometimes, well, I've given my life to Christ. I'm good. I go about my merry way, still living the way I've been living. Nothing's changed because my mind hasn't been renewed. We have to spend time with him. We spend time getting to know him by his word because his word tells us everything we need to know to live a victorious life. We have to get into this and let our minds get renewed so we can come up higher in our thoughts. When it says think on things above, we can't think on things above if we don't know what those things are, if we don't know what's above. So we renew our minds, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See if that has anything in here. It says, to be constantly changed and be brought more and more in line with God's own viewpoint. The old man is dead, but the new man, you're not going to walk in. We're not going to walk in newness of life without renewing our minds. So once we renew our minds, then we have the 
power, we have the authority to then speak to those things that try to keep us entangled and enslaved, that try to keep us from walking in newness of life. Because guess what? Stuff is going to come up. The enemy's going to try and trip you up. The enemy's going to try and bring you back into his camp. But we have the power and the authority of his word to say, uh-uh, to speak to it. And say, no, you no longer have control of me. Sin is dead. That thing, we have to call it out for what it is. Whatever it is, that anger is dead. That's part of the old man. To get free from anger, and it says in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you. In order to do that, you got to do what 32 says. And be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. In trying to get free from anger, which was something that had a, a stronghold on me, this is one of the hallmark scriptures that I use in Ephesians. And work that word. That's what we have to do. As new creatures in Christ, he's given us the word. And now we can use the word to overcome so we walk in newness of life, so that we walk in resurrected life. We got to put the word on every situation in order to walk in the freedom that comes from what Christ did. We are freed, past tense, from sin's power in Christ. So we just have to know whose we are. We are in Christ. I thought about a newborn baby. When a baby is born, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to live. They have to be trained. Well, so do we. As new creatures in Christ, we have to be trained in how to live this new life, how to live the divine life, how to live in, the, in our new divine nature. We don't know how. We've been baptized into him. We come up, buried the old man, now I'm new, but I don't feel any different because I got to be trained. I got to get into the word. I got to learn what it means to be a new creation in Christ. What does it mean to walk in newness of life? What does it mean to have victory over the power of sin? What does it mean? The only way I know is if I'm trained, if I'm taught in this word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I got to sit up under sound teaching. I got to get into the word myself. I got to spend time with the the, the living word of life and let him speak to me. Let him show me some things about me because there's still some stuff in us that needs to die for real, that needs to be buried. But those things, the light haven't hit it yet. See, there's still unregenerated areas in us. But when we get into the word, the word penetrates, the word pierces, the word uproots that stuff. It brings it to surface. Why do you think sometimes we have these outbreaks of ugliness? Because God is shining light right there on that area, bringing it to surface. So now we can crucify it and put it to death. It's got to be put to death, but we don't realize it's still in us until it comes up. But we got to be, we got to recognize when it comes up that God is showing us, I want to deliver you right there. Keep getting an attitude and you don't know why you keep getting an attitude and you think it's okay to have an attitude, but that doesn't line up with the new man that you are in Christ, that you can't walk in freedom. If you're entangled in sin, if you're shackled, if you're bound, there's no freedom. But he says, if you're in Christ, old things are gone. That means that old man, remember, it's two men. It's the old man, and now it's new. Battling for who's going to win, who's going to control you. 
We have the power through the word, but we got to get into this word in order to realize what God has given us, what has taken place in order to have victory in life. We have work to do. We think when we get saved, that's all it is. And we go on. But there's work to do. Everything in the Bible is in here for a reason. He does not say to work out your salvation for no reason. We got to work it. And it, it takes work. It takes discipline. It takes sacrifice. It takes all of that. And that's where the flesh rises up because the flesh don't want to be disciplined. The flesh don't want you to make these sacrifices of fasting and, and keeping it from the stuff that it likes. But we have to do it. We have to override our flesh. I don't feel like fasting. So what? If it's going to bring me where I need to be, then I'm going to fast. Where's our focus? We got to have our focus on what's important. Paul said, because of the love he received from Christ, he is indebted, has made it his life goal now to serve him. If we take on that same mindset that I'm indebted to Christ for all he's done for me, saved me from destruction every day, then I'm going to live for him and whatever it takes, do it crucify it crucify it you have the power we have the power in this word as long as we stay connected to him as long as we are enveloped you are enveloped that means you don't even see the person you see christ you're enveloped in him because it's more of him the more we get renewed in our mind the more we come into the knowledge of truth the more we obey him the more we walk in him the more we live for him then we walk in all that we, it's called fulfilling purpose. He's going to fulfill his purpose through that. And we can't, that purpose is not going to be fulfilled as long as we give in to the weakness of our flesh, which should be dead, according to the word, if we are in Christ. So that bears the question, are we in Christ? If we are in Christ, the old man is dead. Behold, all things are new because we've been baptized into him. You should no longer see me. You should no longer hear me. You should hear the one that's enveloping me, the one I have been immersed in and now come out looking like, talking like, sounding like, living like. I have a new life. I'm a new man. I'm a new creation. You don't, that old man is gone. The person you used to know yesterday is gone. <laughs> Because it could be as, as close as yesterday. It could be this morning. Every As long as I am doing what I need to do for him, serving him, living for him, putting taking authority over that corrupt, sinful nature, every time. Uh, have you ever seen, okay, so snakes shed their skin every so often. That's what we're doing. We're shedding that old man as we become into Christ's likeness, as we're walking in resurrected life. That old man is you know, dying off, dying off. 
a little bit here. Today, I'm a little bit better than I was yesterday. I don't get as angry as I used to because I'm working the word. I'm putting this word. I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be angry. I'm speaking to my flesh. This is how we have to work this. This is the power he's given us. This is the freedom he's given us from the power of sin is his word. Jesus is the living word that we are baptized into. Now soak up that word. Immerse ourselves in that word and let the word do the work. It's a working that takes place when we get into this word. It's doing this inside. It's breaking up some fallow ground. It's tearing up the hardness of heart. It's making some changes in us so that when we come up out of that burial place, we look different. You you, you see, wait, you haven't seen a person... <laughs> You know, you saw him last week, but today is something about you that looks different. Guess what? He, I've been working that word. That word is working to break me into a new creation in Christ. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you and praise you and bless you for the living word of life that has the power to translate us, has the power to transform us, has the power to change us and bring us into Christ's likeness. Let us hold on to it. Let us work this word and become who you created us to be. God, we want to look like you. We want to sound like you. We want to be like you. Do the work in us as we surrender to you as we surrender to the working of the Holy Spirit. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We can't thank you enough and just ask you to have your way in us and thank you for the living word of life. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. That was my closing prayer, but I'm going to pray the benediction uh, before we have questions and answers. Father, I cease not to give thanks for each and every member of this local body, making mention of them in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto each and every one the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of the Lord's calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of God's power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Father, for granting each person according to the riches of your glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in their hearts by faith, that each one being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that each one might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that worketh in me. Also I pray that each person might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they might walk worthy of you, Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might 
according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered each and every one of us from the power of darkness, hallelujah, and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, unto Christ be the glory. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.